Wake up, wake up, wake up, fam bam. It's your girl, Jess. Just be real. And welcome back for another episode of Just Be Real Podcast. The realest we got with us today is my big sis, Ebony Randolph. Enough of me chatting. Let's get real. All right, we got the realest on here. My big sis, Ebony. Y'all already know. I already told y'all, Ebony Randolph. Y'all know her whole government, but I call her Ebby Eb, so it is what it is. Period. It's your girl, Ebony. Hey. Let them know. So just tell them a little about yourself. You know, I asked Eb to be on this podcast because at the current moment, she is literally presently studying for to pass the bar in Cali. You know, sis been. I mean, you know, sometimes you just gotta, God said, I gotta give you a little extra seasoning sometimes to be able to make that next step. So, you know, it's okay. It's okay. And you know, I have a new mic, guys, so bear with me. I have a new mic for my podcast. I had to start investing in real materials, you know, a little something, something. But I, this, this episode is called Equalizer, but it's called Equalize, but her in capital because us black women don't get enough credit, period. And Eb can attest to it because, if, like she said, she's taking this damn bar over again. It's hard as hell to be able to pass the damn bar in Cali. And of course, I know her being a black woman, it damn sure ain't easy in Cali because it's no. Cali. Well, California has the hardest bar across the nation, pretty much in the fucking world in itself. So I'm not sure if I should be cussing, but in the effing world. Um, I mean, this is called Just Be Real Podcast. So, I mean, it's up to you, okay. sis. It's going to be labeled as explicit because I know my mouth. Look, I know my mouth. So, again, <laughs> I'm going to sip on that one. But yeah, it's the hardest in the nation, if not the damn world. And they make it a point to be the most difficult. And there's different reasons why. And I think it's the the major reason is to weed niggas out from coming to California to try to practice. Like, there's already uh, influx fucking lawyers, just too many lawyers. But it's in a certain type of area that there's too many lawyers. Because it's for sure not enough public defenders. It's for Hello. sure not enough district attorneys. Especially so ones that look like us the, with the melanin. Exactly. Hello. Exactly. So that being a tool to weed people just out in general, it also disadvantages black people, people of color even more because we don't have the resources to be paying $2,000 every fucking six months to make a- to Well, goddamn. Yeah, like it's, it's nuts, it's nuts. But anyways, we're gonna make it through. Okay, period. So, more. you know, since we already jumped in, you gotta give the people a little background. Okay, I know this episode is probably earlier than usual for it to get released for y'all because y'all like, oh, Jess, you always do it in the evenings. Listen, when you have a sister who's a mom studying for the bar, still working two jobs, trying to maintain a healthy relationship with her black king, yes, black love, period. Um, and it is hap- and it is her child's father as well. So for all y'all hating motherfuckers, just got to make it known as well, period. So you got to take it where you can get it. So 9 a.m. her time, Sophie and my time. I said, okay, so I'm just going to get my Prosecco. I'll be ready. Was tea. Hello. So give the give people more of your little background. I just gave a little synopsis. But let the people know who Eb is. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
I'm originally from Fresno, California, which is Northern California, if you're not familiar with Cali, period. People who are not from Cali always reference to California as if it's a city. Oh, you're from Cali? It's palm trees and Hollywood, woo doo woo. California is hella fucking big. Like, Hell yeah. It's the southern part, which is like San Diego, LA. SoCal. Isn't that what they call SoCal? Exactly. And then there's Northern California, which is like, you have. We have Central California, which is technically where Fresno is, but I don't give a fuck. I still say it's Northern California, which is the Bay, like Oakland, San Francisco, all that shit. Hyphy and shit, hyphy movement and shit. Hey, tell them when to go. Tell them when to go. So that's where I'm from, Fresno, but we affiliate with more so up north because that's just where the fucking culture comes. So I'm hypey. I'm hella hypey. I'm a hype girl. So I've always been like just hella energetic, like just on edge, turned up, like dancing, like whatever it is, that's just me. That's just all energy. So I wanted to be an attorney because um, I don't have anything that I'm good at. Like, <laughs> oh, fuck it. Let me try law. Might as well. No, not like that. Other than proving motherfuckers wrong and, and arguing, I'm, I'm not good at anything else. You like, know what they say. Shorty like to argue, so we sent that bitch to law school. <laughs> I learned. I don't like to, like, I can't draw. I can cook my ass off, but I can't, like, I can hold a note, but I'm not out here, like, none of that. Yeah, no. You ain't hitting them Karen Clark Shear runs and, ooh, ooh. That's out. That's out. I could fuck it up, but I don't want to be honest with you. But like me doing a routine and all that shit, that's out. Like ask my ask my pro vibes. They're just like, ma'am, you and it stepping. Oh yeah. Go. FYI, Eb is my self role, so y'all can, <laughs> you know, Epsilon Zeta chap the period. Yes, the elegant and zealous baby. Okay, even though I'm enthusiastic and epic Epsilon Alpha, so you know, period. Oh, It's like, but I can debate you though. With facts and not just opinion. That's what a lot of niggas, that's a lot of y'all problem. Y'all like to have battles and debates with people when have no factual information to support your thesis. Yeah, I used to want to be a lawyer, but I declined. I just made it a minor. (laughs) Yeah, girl. It's harder than people think. (laughs) Both mentally and physically. But do you see where I'm at? I'm an accountant, right? Because I chose to not take that path. I changed my damn major so damn quick at orientation. I said, pre-law, oh no, sis, because that's too many years. You love to argue and debate. You've been on the debate team, but sis, that's not your ministry. That's right. Speaking of debate team, I joined one in high school, and that's how it all fucking started. Like, it was just, I fell in love with just arguing with people, <laughs> you know, but not just arguing with, like, just being angry. It was like having a point to prove with supported evidence or facts. You know, or just using your logic. Like, that doesn't even make sense what you're saying. So, that making people feel stupid and you can back it that up. That should be fun. I did that the other day with my neighbor. He gonna try to debate me talking about Will Smith's net worth is three fifty million, as opposed to Beyonce and Jay Z is one billion. He gonna say that he supersedes. 
Jay-Z. I said, nigga, do you know how dumb he's like, oh, he got assets. I said, do you know what owner's equity is? Assets minus liabilities. Are you stupid? You really want to have this debate with me? Because this is what I have two degrees to prove that I can be able to make you feel even stupid. Your hood education don't compare to the two degrees that I'm still paying for to say otherwise. And my consultant position at a public accounting firm in the Hearst Tower, which is Uptown, North Carolina, the big tower that everybody work at Bank of America own headquarters, but... You know, I try to toot my own horn, but I'm just like, nigga, you dumb. Just shut up. And I was on the debate team, too. Like, let's just. It's always about, I'm going to get to that later, how people without law degrees try to tell me what the fuck the law is and how to apply it. But Listen. Anyways, yeah, so. I'm going to move my little curl. Um, I grew up, I was raised by my aunt and my uncle, my older aunt and uncle. It's my biological aunt because it's my daddy's sister. My mom and dad was running a fucking muck out in the streets in the 80s and the 90s. You already know what's cracking. So that was that. So I was... In Cali at that? I can imagine how that shit was. LA? What are you talking about? What? They probably experienced the riots, didn't they? They was a part of the riots. The 91 LA riots, 92? Jesus, Joseph and Mary. Let me tell you, the crack epidemic hit California like goddamn Corona. Okay, so bitch, we're gonna get into that later too. That Corona, Coronas, Miss Coronas, cause she just. Yeah, so I was raised by my aunt. I like grew up in the foster care system, going through custody battles my whole fucking life till I was seventeen, cause I graduated from college at seventeen. The day of graduation, I dipped from Fresno, like literally had a box and went straight to fucking LA, went to Cal State LA, which I accidentally got into. My whole life is just retarded. I mean, excuse me, but dead ass. It's just retarded. Like, it don't make no damn sense. Um, my aunt, who was my um, dad's sister, my dad is in heaven, rest in peace. She was the second- Who her son looks I- just freaking like, by the way. Yeah, my dad looks just like- He's reincarnated. I really feel like her dad's reincarnated in her son. Oh, yeah. I'm a firm believer of that, that angels are in babies, or like they come in. Because when babies are laughing, like as newborns and looking in the sky and there's nothing there, like what the fuck are you laughing at? It's an angel. Like, I swear. It's I angel. swear. I agree with you. And I only agree with you because my grandfather died a year before I was born, and then I was the miracle baby, and they named me after this nigga. And they'd be like, your mannerisms are such like your grandfather, it's scary. I'm like, okay. Yeah, They'd be like, you be drinking that hard liquor and it don't phase you. You really be quick to TTG. Yeah, because you try me and I mind my business. It's going to be a problem. I'll set it off in this mofo. Hello? If y'all don't know, now you know. GP, are you with me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. This is, this is us on a regular basis. I just want y'all to know this. So my line name is Ready or Not. So if that don't give you the message, then... I don't get oh yeah, ready, ready or not? All I hear is the Fujis. Ready or not? Here I come. You gonna see some Fujis too? <laughs> <laughs> you go see. Anyways, yeah. So that's pretty much my upbringing. Aside from I was raised in a stupid, dummy, strict ass household. Like my aunt was the second to oldest of nine. Damn. She was born in 1954. <gasps> so was my mom and my dad. So we both was raising on them strict old school rules. And my grandma was born in 1920. Okay. Hello. Wow, 1920? Yes. Seven years after Delta was uh, found. Hello. She was born in 1920. Hello. Some Zetas is out there having a ball about that. But, you know, Zeta was born August 12, 1920. My grandmother, that's my heart. May she rest in peace. My birthday is on the S.G. Rose Founder Day. So. 
Ooh, I mean, my LS, my LS's birthday is on the AKA Founders Day, which is even worse. I mean, that can't even. Yeah, no. Then I got another Sora whose birthday on J5. Technically, when she's not, she is Sora. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't help when you was born. At least you chose the right path. That's all that matters. So her life is okay. Period. But you faced a lot of adversity in your life because, like you said, you weren't raised by your parents. So that within itself. No, in a traditional manner at all. Like the shit that I went through and the shit that I've like experienced, niggas act. I wonder why I act so old. It's because for one, I was raised by a very, very old. Can you say it again? Can you say it again for the people in the back? Because people begin in my car like, "What is this? This is music before the shit that y'all want to listen to on the radio." That. My, as my mom says, fuck your mom, kill your dad type shit. That's what my mom calls it. Fuck your mom, kill your dad music. This is the music that was was here to feed your soul. Was the music that our ancestors were using to make it to the to the north with Harriet Tubman. The stuff that fed your soul to make you feel like, yo, we have a purpose. We're here. Like, everybody know me. I'm a 90s junkie. I'm a 90s and 80s junkie because hip-hop was hip-hop when it told a story. Nowadays, they try to put anything under hip-hop, and I'm like, that's not hip-hop. Anything that's catchy and, and can make you bounce and, and sing along is hip hop. It doesn't have to have a message. It doesn't have to have to meaning. Have to have a meaning. It's just it got slap meaning. Oh shit! This motherfucker. Oh yeah, yeah. No, yeah. and that's and not hip hop to me. You know he's saying I'm finna shoot up the school and da da da. But nigga, but you like but that shit, man. That but at the same token, I seen some real shit too though, Eb. Y'all, we were raised on music and niggas selling drugs. Y'all raised on niggas who are selling and using the drugs while they're, that they're selling. So how how effective are they in real life? You know? Here's the thing. I think this is a difference. This is a difference. So I'm a... I'm, I'm going to pour up on that one. Pour that shit up because I'm going to roll it. Uh, <laughs> I'm a major, like, I love fucking rap. Bay Area rap. And people can't listen to Bay Area rap because they feel like all they talk about is shooting people, drugs, but usually, but usually shooting people. And a lot of people come from a generation like my dad and my brothers where it ain't guns, it's fight. Like we say, say that, you know, shoot like, the fair one the fast way. But this younger generation is, I'm not fighting where the two be at. But I love that music, not because I believe that's what they're do- doing. I love that music because it's a, re- a real reflection of what they live in. Like, right. I'm big into human behavior. I have my master's in social work. I'm big into that because I have fucking drug addict parents. And I wanted to know why the fuck they chose drugs over me. So as a result, so as a result, <laughs> I got into, sorry, it should say low battery. As a result, I got into human behavior and learning how the brain works, how the brain is traumatized, how when you are traumatized as a newborn or even uh, a one-year-old, you don't remember it, but it affects you as an adult and your development. And people not that, might not want, people might wonder why the fuck you're acting out. And it's because the side of your brain has been so damaged from the trauma when you were a newborn or a one-year-old you can't explain it and no one else. But if you understand how the brain fucking works, then it makes sense. Right. So I listen to Bay Area rap music like SOB, E40, Sandy, Capello, you know, Kamaya, all of them because. That's my bitch. I love Kamaya. Yeah, yeah. Mood Swings is my shit. That shit is real. Like, I'm from 
Fresno is a smaller country town. People want to say it was cows and shit, but that's just turned the bitch. I got shy. So it's like when you're in a smaller community and there's nothing there and you don't have any resources, there's only so many things that you can do. And gangbanging seems exciting. It do. So when you're all in gangbanging, that's the only way you can get money or, or you know, or your support. That's your family. That's your family. And so when you rap, rapping is just sending a message. It's communicating the hurt and the pain and the happiness that you experience. If that's your environment, then that's what the fuck you're going to rap about. And I felt that because that's what I grew up in. And I so, think it's a little different for me because I'm on the East Coast. So that's where hip hop originated in the Bronx. So like there, they're they're used to telling stories. Like we're gonna talk about the the the, the systematic racism. Like the eighties, nineties, you had stuff like the the Jungle Brothers, you had Queen Latifah, you had Roxanne Shante, you had, you oh know, Boogie God. Down Productions. Oh Boogie Down Productions, you had, you know, the class uh the leaders of the new school. So you had people talking about what was literally happening in society, but they made it cool. Like, Queen Latifah, everybody know I call that twin because Queen Latifah, I adore. That's for sure, your twin. Yeah. That woman. <laughs> you're not the. Oh, you know what's crazy? I've been working on years. I'm supposed to be here for Halloween like years ago. And for some odd reason, every year it never happens because they don't have a piece of the outfit I need. But this year it's going to happen, period. But the way that that woman uses her words and how much she's been so branched out outside of just rap, and that was her base, to know how she started is like, yo, Princess of the Posse. Like, what? Black on black love. Like, we grew up in a community where we looked out for each other. It's messages, which is like, yo, the beat is tough, but your lyrics are hitting me harder. So that's what I always tell people. Like, is the difference between a rapper and a lyricist? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. A lyricist has words where they have a spoken word where it's kind of like they got a flow. Like for me, when people don't know, I used to be a lyricist because I was a poet. So me putting stuff to a beat is right, easy right, right, right. because it's yeah. nothing because I'm going to tell my story. Like I'm going to tell the story of molestation. I'm going to tell the story of rape. I'm going to tell the story of abortion or the rape that happened. Like I have no problem, but people don't realize like subconsciously when people say you have to work right now where a lot of people are battling with their inner child, it's because you have nothing but time because we're in a pandemic and God's like, I'm going to shut all this shit down. Okay. Now I want you to focus on what I've been trying to tell you to focus on and get where you need to be because clearly y'all wasn't, all of y'all weren't listening. So I'm going to stop the world for y'all, for y'all to really grasp the concept of who I am and what I can do. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, I think it's similar in the Bay Area in terms of the message because a lot of people don't catch the message because they're so distracted by the shooting guns and it. But if you if you dig deeper, you dig deeper and you think outside of the lip lyrics. Why do these little boys have to resort to guns, bro? You know, like why is this? Why you can't do on some mama can say knock you out on some LL Cool J like? But it's bigger than that. It's just like. Why do they have to care? Why do they feel like they need to carry around guns? Like, what are we not doing as as the community to make these little boys feel protected? Because they're little boys at the end of the day. Facts. But That's we facts. chastise them and we demonize them for picking up a gun for protection when we weren't protecting them, protecting them in the first place. Woo, you just had a, that was a B-roll bomb. That was a B-roll bomb you just dropped right there, so that was a B-roll bomb. We literally have literally have traumatized little boys in the hood running around trying to be fucking adults and their little boys stuck stuck with tattoos all over their face shooting whatever because what their mama wasn't there because their daddy wasn't there because they didn't have resources to put them in the right school 
Pretty much. So that's why I love that music because I, I know it's bigger than that, and I feel that shit like. Because it's still, I, it, I feel it. like music is essential to the soul because that speaks your oh, story. It's so essential. It's so. Essential. We, oh, I'm sorry, y'all. We got so off topic because we got on music. I'm sorry. I told y'all this is gonna be one real one. The real thing is called. We're gonna get back on topic now for y'all to really yes. be here. What y'all came in for? So, what sways you to want to practice law? Because you know, with being with law, you don't really need no set degree. It's kind of like. Right, right. So yeah, jump uh, in. That's why people keep trying to push me for my JD. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> They're like, you always want to be entertainment lawyer. You want to, which okay, I'm gonna give y'all background. I used to want to be an entertainment lawyer or a business lawyer, uh-huh. and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to Dell State. I'm gonna be pre law. I'm a minor in business, and then I like to myself, sis, you're good with numbers. Like you're just that's just that's your ministry. So God was like, change your major to accounting. So I did accounting and minored in law. All right, bet. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go for my master's. I was looking for programs to do my MBA and JD at the same time, get dual degree, be out here, be excellent with black excellence with my black girl magic, which is the shirt I have on right now, to be on my black girl magic type swag. God, when I finished that master's, God was like, yes, this, this might be the end of the road. For be- now. For now. And I'm just like, yo, everybody's like, but you still can be a lawyer. And I'm like, dude, I don't know if I have the discipline to do it. But then when you have motherfuckers like Eb out here, who's a mom and got like 5,000 different hats and still out here grinding despite her circumstances, I'm like, yo, I'm like, but if I want to be an entertainment lawyer, I need to know business. So I made accounting my major. And now that I know accounting and have done it, I'm like, okay, so if I wanted to be a business lawyer, I would be the best business lawyer ever because you have more skill sets than required. And you know, it's not, you don't need a set degree to become a lawyer. Like, exactly, exactly. Now, you don't need a set degree to become a lawyer, but certain degrees might help a little bit more, but I don't, I don't necessarily go with that because I was a political science major and I got my minor in law and society, but, and then I have my master's in social work. Now, I definitely think my master's in social work helps more than my actual degree in political science because I hate fucking politics. So, Child. it's just like counterintuitive to law kind of because they're like okay with the big words counterintuitive okay it's fine because you know the same way you over here talking about that you're like oh i don't know if i should curse i mean vituperative language isn't enforced but if you so happen to have it come as your way of expression for aave which is african-american vernacular ebonics then it so happens to be so Oh yeah, I just try to drop a bomb on y'all real quick just to get just just educate y'all because we're sophista ratchet over here, sophista ratchet. But yeah, so well back to the question. I wanted to get into law because of just my tumultuous another big word as background. My dad was in and out of prison all my life as well as being on drugs, so that was some shit. Visiting him, visiting my uncles, all my uncles was bad as fuck on my daddy's side. My daddy's side was like turned up, like gangster as fuck. My mama's side is like more calm, but they still with the shits. Like my mom's with the shits, so she was locked up. <laughs> she was like on drugs, yeah. So it's just. That was my motivation because I had always been in the criminal justice system by default. And also because I was in foster care, I had the courtroom experience. How do you feel like like, that that like affected you though? Like, I know, like you said, like even what you said back in the day, like even as, like you said, as a one-year-old, that type of stuff sticks with you. I know you probably have some trauma, even if it's not transgender or generational trauma within itself, but like 
personal trauma from that being, as people say, the trickle down. Because, you know, Reaganomics always talks about trickle down theory, but they never talk about the yes. negatives of that trickle down theory. Because your parents are pretty much around during Reaganomics, like where the trickle down theory is. If we could do this from these people, it'll trickle down to the poor, which is pretty much us brown and blacks. And it never made it to us. It always stayed at the top. My mom's class was the first integrate, integrated class of black and white. Oh, yeah. My mom, too. Yeah. 54, so 54, 54, 54. Exactly. So, you know what time it was. But I think, um, well, also, just going back to the um, where I want to be a lawyer was because of my background and also because I have an uncle that's been locked up 25 to life. What? So case. Yeah, basically, he was um, allegedly culpable for committing a senseless act of crime against a, a little white boy. And this is back in the 70s and the 80s. Wow, which shows how far we've come with our system that is still systematic exactly. racism now in 2020. Absolutely. So he's been locked up ever since then. I mean, it's been so, so crooked to where, like, at first it was a hung, uh, a mistrial, hung jury because they couldn't come to a verdict. And his wife, who was my cousin's mom, white woman, got up there testifying on the motherfucker saying, saying he was dreaming about doing this with the world. Mind you, she was a whole drug addict to this day. But anyways, yeah, so he got convicted based off of all of that. So that in itself was one of my catalysts, like to keep going. But my family, you know how black people are, it's just like, don't let people know that you're a part of this family because it's gonna be like you're gonna get hell because you're a random. Woo, 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 woo. My last name is like known, notorious because the boys are rowdy as fuck. The rowdy Randolphs. Yes, and then there's another. There was another set of Randolphs in the Fresno in Fresno too. So they was turned up too. So it was always like, okay, you can be a lawyer, but just don't do too much. You know, like don't go into criminal. Go into something else. So being that I was in foster care, I had an interest in social work. Not to be a social worker, but to just understand the legal side. So the, all of that, and then like high school with the debate shit, and I was like, fuck, I'm good at this shit. Like, you got me fucked up. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be the best attorney. I'm about to sprinkle my black girl magic on this mofo. Period. Period. Best attorney, you can have everything though. But at the end of the day, because I was in foster care and because I did grow up with all these different, unusual, not normal experiences for a child, that fucked me up mentally. Like, I was, I went to college at 17 straight up like because i wanted to get the fuck out of fresno i wanted to get away from my strict ass auntie i wanted to get away from a town where everybody knew each other and everybody had the same day daddy and the same time that fucking i got shot at a fucking house party like i wanted to get up out of here you a real goon though you got shot you a homie that got shot though girl bitch look at this this my bullet Oh, niggas got the battle wounds. Oh, nah, you a real, you a real G. Don't wonder why you such a goon. Don't wonder why you such a goon. The first time I was studying for the LSAT, which is the law school admissions test to get into law school, 2012 or 2011, the bullet came out, girl, in Kaplan, uh, in LSAT class. My shit started itching, and it just started rising to the surface. The doctors never took it out. I got shot in 2007. And this was like 2012, and he never took it out because he was like, "It's too close to the vein, and we gonna do some nerve damage." That was nothing but God. That was nothing but God. Nothing but God. But I didn't fucking get into law school that fucking year. I got rejected hella times. I had to go get my master's and then go back 
But the point is, you use your plan B to get back to your plan A. But maybe that bullet coming out on its own was exactly of your to show a representation of your destiny and your divine purpose. Because at that moment, the the guy, the doctor was like, "Oh, I'm not gonna take it out because it's too close to the vein," which is just how you were. You were so close to that else after getting to law school, and when that bullet came out, was when when it was ready to come out. So just like your just like your struggle right now with this bar, it's gonna come out when it's ready to come out. You better say that, sis. You better say that, sis, because I'm tired of this motherfucker right here, right now. I'm telling you right now. Because I'm sure the doctor never thought or seen in his mind to be like, yo, that bullet's going to come out on its own. That was nothing but the grace of God. But you know what it was? It was faith for the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Not seen. So you didn't expect it to happen, but it happened because God was like, I'm going to just show her how much of a miracle worker I am. It's about to happen the same thing with this bar. This might be your last. You better just went ahead, but I feel like September is it. That's it. Like, you're going to go ahead. And if, if everything you've worked hard for or reaped, your harvest is about to come. Period. I believe that. I believe that. Because everything has been a struggle. I, I was telling my, my line sister, like, my tail. I love her. Sylvia, by the way. Shout out to her. Run this town. That's her line name. Hey, so overall. A hundred percent. And I always, like, it was, like, the first or the second time that I failed the bar. And she was right there along with my twin best friends telling her, like, it's never, I never get shit the first time. You know, like, being in law school, seeing people fucking Cali, which means you get the highest grade, the A+. plus. I'm like, bro, I'm literally studying 12, 13 hours. Like, what is, I'm doing the same thing as you or people not even studying as hard, bro. And getting Look, let me hide because that's me because I was always that person. <gasps> Listen. Listen, listen, passing the bar the first time and and I know you're not putting in as much work as me, like it's just it's just ridiculous. Like I molly wop somebody like hey yo, yo, I had a battle with my faith because it was just like, what's really happening? Why do I always have to go through every fucking thing? And everybody look at me and they think, Oh, she got it. Damn, you rich, you the baddest, you got a nice family, you graduated from law school. Because God gives his toughest battles to his strongest soldiers. There's this stuff that he put you through that nobody else could probably probably would crumble. Facts. Facts. Crumble. Facts. Because they're not built for it. I used to say that all the time to myself. I'm like, yo, God. Why was it me that had to lose my job right after I just bought a new car? How I'm going to pay these bills. Why was it me that had to move to North Carolina and not have... I have family, but not really feel like I have a security around me. But it's like, you know what? You did this because you know I was built for it. Because a lot of my friends ain't moved from home. Y'all niggas is still... y'all. I'm probably one of my only friends who left home in 2008 for college and ain't been back since. Hello? My mother was like, yo, you literally brought your stuff home and then got an apartment within the same time frame and really came back home to get your shit to move into your apartment without needing me as a co-signer for a lease. Yeah. Like, and it's yeah. it's like, yo, when my people, my friends be like, oh, you in Charlotte, you living. And this is when I also realized too, because a lot of my friends ain't really my friends because once I move further, I could tell you how many people on my hand, on one hand have come to visit me in the process. I can count on my hands how many niggas I fuck with like that my circle is my hand bro like I, I swear to you because everybody like you when you up but they never won't be there when you down when you down are you struggling Oh yeah, bro. and which is another reason why I take Delta so seriously. Like I don't play. Like Eb will tell you, I'll send her daily breads daily. I'll yeah. sit here and send some influence. She'll be like, you know what? You know how much I needed that. I don't know people's struggles, but when it's on my heart and God places on my heart to share it, I'm gonna share it because I don't know yeah. who I'm uplifting in the process. But clearly, I'm a vessel. So 
Let me share what I know because that's another thing that comes even back to the black community. If there's education or information that you know, what is it going to hurt you to share with your next brother or sister for them to be well aware and know what the hell's going on? There's be times I'd be like to Eb, like, can I get arrested for this? Because I'd be really wanting to go back to old me because TTG me be like, you don't got no ramifications. But new, but Jessica be like, bitch, you work too hard to get down here to Charlotte. Please don't jeopardize your life or your relation, your whole relations with your public accounting firm for this. It's not worth it. It's just not. It's just not worth it. So who is an inspiration when looking at like the political aspects? Like. So, um... I don't really, I'm not really into politics, but in terms of, when I think of politics, that's like beneficial or that helps us. I think of like civil rights activists, abolitionists, leaders. Hey, Sam. (laughs) That's my man now, baby father. Um, That's the child of her father, because I don't like the word baby father. Baby father means that you're not with the mofo. you with the mofo. That's the child of your father. Period. This is a negative connotation that the white people have given. Oh to yeah, because they got baby daddies. Because they, because they, they baby daddies, they cousins, they third cousins. But we're not gonna talk about it. Period. <laughs> Anyways, Jess, one of my major um, like people that I admire in politics is Dr. Melina Abdul. Which she's not a politician, but she's definitely an activist, and she's an AKA, but she's with the shits like. Is she better than Kamala? That's all I care about because she's oh, yeah. oh, a disgrace you, to that sorority. She, how I first met her was because she was a Pan-African um, studies professor at California State University of Los Angeles. I never personally took her, but my best friend Laisha did. And she would always rave, rave, and rant about her. And then my other friends started getting into activism, Black Lives Matter, you know, like just really out there. And she was the forefront. This lady... She is the most non-AKA I have ever met. Aside from her being light-skinned with pretty eyes, she is out here. Getting arrested, fighting for the cause. She don't care. Like, she like, let my, she at the mayor's house. She at City Hall. She at the governor's house. She don't care. She is pressing niggas about the police brutality, the injustices that we are facing, LAPD killing innocent black boys, and ain't nobody talking about it. Hey, they've been doing it since, God forbid, how long? Rodney King was the only one that was televised for that revolution. And that, and that was... For what? You know, like, it was televised and still nothing happened. They let all those cops off. So, and then they want to they wanna chastise us when we respond to y'all not giving a fuck about us. Because, let me tell you something. I'm, I'm going to just throw this in there real quick. Y'all trying to tell a generation who was raised off, knuck if you buck, to calm down. Bless your heart. Because we... We are our ancestors. Yes, we, we go for the fight, but because we're in a generation where we're so public and we don't really, we're on an IDGAF, mm-hmm. niggas be like, I'll risk it all for my people. I don't that's care. So yeah, that's more so what it is. Like, because, first of all, we're counseling, knock a few bucks, because the producer was yeah. on some MAGA stuff and the other. And nonetheless, he was on some molestation of his little brother, too. Yeah, so that's a no go. If y'all listening, I'm sorry. We still mess with Crime Mob, but the producer and the last rapper, whoever he is, is out of here. But yeah, so that's, that's who I rock with in terms of like one of the politicians that I admire. I mean, when I was little, I did like Kamalisa Rice, and then my grandpa would always talk about messing I always love Shirley Chisholm. 
Yes. Not because she's a soror, but Shirley Chisholm to me was a pillar. She is the GOAT. She's the first black female presidential candidate ever. And nobody even talks about it. Again, that. that's about them. What they say about them deltas. Delta means change. Hello. So fuck a Hillary. It's Shirley. Team Shirley. Okay. Period. Like, wear her glasses. Like me. So don't even try. <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. Because she can see right through you. So how would you describe how hard is it to go from like undergrad to Esquire? Because my aunt, who's an AKA, has a whole pass the bar, but don't use that degree for nothing. You pass the bar the first go round. She went to Morgan State. Pass the bar the first go round. Don't even use a daggone degree. Mind you, people like you out here struggling, trying to pass the mofo and actually use the mofo. Right. Well, because California has the hardest, so I could definitely go to another state and pass like this and be a lawyer. But we're not going to talk about that. Anyways, <laughs> I'm gonna pour up on that one. Anyways, um, so it's not valuable, sir. You know, like, and I think that's another reason why I have to go through as much as I go through because it means more to me. Like, it's really a struggle, and I really take that shit for value, and I don't take advantage of it. You know, so what was the question? How hard is it to go from undergrad to Esquire? Oh, it's hell hard. First of all, it's hard just to go to undergrad as a black girl. Like, if you're not, if you don't come from pretty much a two-parent household and those parents have college degrees and know how this goes, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. When I was applying to college, I was looking to fucking teachers, white teachers, who were saying racist ass shit to me but because i was trying to get into college it was like oh you're one of the different ones let me help you let me save you you know but if you don't even have that in your corner you don't know how to apply and this is why i got in cal state la accidentally because i thought i was fucking applying to cal state long beach <laughs> applying i applied to cal state la i didn't even know where the fuck that was until my Latino counselor was like, oh, yeah, that's in East Los Angeles. And my brother live over there. So it's a McDonald's. And I'm like, what the fuck is this nigga talking about? I'm trying to go to Long Beach. But anyways, that was a blessing because Long Beach didn't have a chapter at the time. That was good. I mean, but counselor like it. But it's hard because once you graduate from college, well, even before you graduate for college, I was always one step ahead of the game. I'm a planner to the T. I walk around with a planner. I got two calendars in my kitchen. And I don't play. But do you so, feel like you have to be a planner just because, like it says, like this episode's called Equalize Her. The equality for you as a black woman, even to a black man, he's going to supersede you. Even if it's by even a, millis a, milli a millisecond of an inch, mm -hmm. do you have to work five times harder to even try to be like, yo, I, I know more shit than this black man who's just getting by because he's a man. But uh, nonetheless, you have ignorant Caucasians who are like, they got that nepotism and bullshit that's fed to them for them to be able to do their shit. So that's what I'm saying. It's 50 times harder. And this is what I'm saying. So when I had to plan ahead of time because I couldn't rely on mommy and daddy when I graduated. I didn't have just like, okay, well, I'm done with college. Let me go back home. That's why it's harder for black girls too because we're taught to boss the fuck up. And you take care of your shit. You don't rely on a man. You don't depend on nobody. That's how I was raised anyways by a single black lady. You know, like, you don't rely on a man. You don't rely on nobody. So you always be 10 steps ahead. Even when you're married or you're in a relationship, you always put money aside or some shit aside for you in case shit goes Pay down. yourself first. Period. First rule so of accounting. I was, I was a 
nigga, I was applying for, I was looking in the law schools my second year of college. I'm 19, 20, looking in the law schools, like, how the fuck do I take the LSAT? What do I need? Like, my counselor was like, slow down, like, you two ahead. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And I was not because come my senior year, my junior year, my LSAT score was fucking trash. It was like fucking 140 something, one, like you, it ranges from 130 to 180. 180 is the highest. 180, like maybe two people once a year get that shit. Then the niggas automatically get into Harvard, Brown, Yale, all Ivy Leagues. Niggas, with my range, first of all, if it starts at 130, bitch, and I only got 140, what do that tell you? You throwing in with the rest of the mix. I'm not throwing in the mix at all. And I'm probably going to go to an unaccredited law school. That's what mm. Law schools who have some type of recognition, any type of shit on the line, they're not accepting motherfuckers with less than a 155 to keep it a buck. Because that LSAT is supposed to be an indicator of how well you will do in law school and how well are your chances you will pass the bar. Wow, okay. But... But those studies have been faulted, and there's actually no correlation, no link whatsoever. So they Here we go. out motherfuckers based on this admissions test that actually has no connection. So, I mean, I didn't pass the bar the first time, but that ain't got shit to do with my fucking LSAT score. Okay. So, and, and even even with the LSAT score, do you feel living in California like there there has to be a hard part about you being a black female lawyer, and because it's so hard in general, but being a black female trying to be a lawyer, it has to be ten times harder. Like. Especially, how do you balance that, though, too, also with mom life and, like, law life? Like, that shit has to be, and you're working two jobs, that shit has to be insane. Girl, it's nuts. It's 18 to me, but I have my daddy's blood in me, so I'm, like, just a go-getter. Like, just I'm just non-stoppable. Like, that's just, that's just my mentality. Like, I, so, trying to get into law school is hard for a black girl if you don't have the resources for anybody, pretty much. But it's just different for a black girl because a black man, they want you. They don't have you, so they want you. You know, like mm-hmm. to, to be honest, like so, that ignorant motherfucker who was an alpha, whatever he was, that was oh, talking about. Right. I got a whole degree. I'm different. I'm off the nigga. Be going. That Southern University that pretty much accepts a lot of people. I'm well, see, I don't know true T, so feel me yet. <laughs> okay. Who uh, yeah. do it? Southern University School of Law is a great law school, but they also give a lot of people chances that don't need to be given those chances, and as a result, yeah, you produce. Things like that. But anyways, that in itself, just getting into law school is hard. And then when you get out of law school, like, surviving law school in itself is hard, okay? Because, like, you're dealing with you against white people, Armenians, like, and that's it. Asians, that's it. Like, it's some, it's small, it's like less than 5% of Latinos that are lawyers. It's like 3%, and it's like the same with black. So, we don't have that support. Like, we have a black student law association that's 10 fucking black people, and the rest of the school. You know, like, I did a Black Lives Matter presence protest when the shit felt like everything went down with Eric Gardner at my school, because the dean was nice, everybody. I had a a man commented, a law student who was like Middle Eastern or some shit, commented that I was racist. Because I had hmm? a black, black people can't be racist, motherfucker. We can't be racist. We can't be racist. We can't be racist. It's not right, possible. Right, 
Right. Because I'm pro-black, that means anti-white or anti Just because I have ethnocentrism doesn't mean, y'all can look that word up, ethnocentrism, because clearly... I have people on my trial team tell me that black people not, need to stop making excuses and pull themselves up from their bullshit straps like Armenians. Are you dumb? Do you not know our 400-year oppression? We didn't ask to fucking come to the United States. We were brought here Man. illegally against our will because we had all the riches, gold, and what we needed from natural resources to be able to produce over in Africa that we didn't need to come here. We were wealthy where okay. we were. How about this? I'm sorry. I didn't know that black people, despite those 400 years of oppression and continued systematic and institutionalized racism, get a check every month. Oh, because you know why? They gave it to the Asians, like the Filipinos, because they gave it to them for them to shut up, for them to be able to come here for the Pacific Islanders. And so in reality, they feel like the Koreans and the rest of them feel like we're mad at them because the government gave you gave y'all our shit for reparations. Yes, you're right. We are fucking mad because that's why a lot of y'all got these nail salons. A lot of y'all, like even a woman that was able to kill Latasha Harlins. We're not even going to go in that whole situation. Say that. Say that. Because we know Latasha Harlins was killed because the homegirl was trying to get orange juice and try to pull money out. And Shorty just killed her right blink of day in the corner store for no fucking reason. A, a black life was part of the uprising of the L.A. riots. Part of she was part of the reason why the LA riots was started after Rodney King. Rodney King was the cherry on top. Latasha Harlins was the beginning of the uprising for LA. Period. So I'm gonna give y'all a quick history lesson on that shit. But in reality, the Koreans, the Vietnamese, to be specific, were given our reparations for them because they were put in a situation from World War II when we invaded and was going ahead and doing whatever we was doing. I've always infiltrating ourselves into shit that don't got nothing to do with us. So as our reparations, the government, the U.S., the United States was like, we're going to give you this. We're going to give you this much money. We're going to give you this establishment. Y'all do what y'all do. Hence why y'all never see that Vietnamese and Koreans have all these nail shops. Did y'all ever think twice of where that came from? Yeah, those, that was our 40 acres and a mule that didn't give a fuck about and gave to them. Because there's too many of us. Because we're like babies, kids. We don't die. We multiply. Everybody gets reparations but us. The Armenians get reparations for a genocide that we had nothing to do with. Well, we probably wasn't. So did the Jews for the Holocaust. What the fuck? Exactly. So you trying to tell me that my people need to pull ourselves up from our bootstraps, but you niggas getting support from the government? But motherfucker, we even were still working the fields even after the Emancipation Proclamation. So what are you Thank talking? You. Thank you. We're still working the fields to Because our 4th of July was January 19th, hex Juneteenth. July 4th in 1776, my people were still oppressed and still working on fields for motherfuckers, getting raped by people like Thomas Jefferson and fucking Mozart and all the rest of the motherfuckers who y'all might not even know Charles Bach was black as well and all the rest of the motherfuckers who have melanin in their skin. Let y'all know that they were getting raped to give them the light-skinned kids, i.e. people like me who are high yellow, as y'all like to say, because high yellow technically means people who are a multicultural race or ethnicity. That's how they were developed. So, if you're going to talk about the real shit, talk about the real shit. And red technically means my, you know, my... Red bone. Yeah, which pretty much... Or people who have an undertone or have come from the indigenous people. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, so it's... That's the struggle in law school. So, you can only imagine the struggle getting to Esquire, bro. Yo, but so, like, how do you balance that, though, with mom life and law life? Like, that shit is a lot within itself. It's hard. It's hard as fuck, honestly, because I got pregnant my last year of law school. I did law school part-time because I worked. I worked since I was 17. I would have worked before that, but my strict-ass aunt didn't want me to. Didn't let me do. So, <laughs> didn't let me do. So, um, I've always worked. And 
um, that shit is hard because I don't have as much time. And that's and that's that's my thing. You need time because you need time to study. You got motherfucking studying 12, 13 hours a day, bro. First time takers, that's what you're supposed to study. Literally 12, 13 hours a day. If you don't study at least 12 hours a day, you're doing it wrong. That's what they teach you. But second time or repeaters, they, they don't have to study as much, but me being a full-time worker and a part-time worker because I have two jobs and I'm a full-time mom, nigga, 25 8 is hard i literally have to study i wake up i try to wake up at four in the morning study from four in the morning to six in the morning i'm at work by 7 15 7 30 downtown la I and she be dressed to the nines motherfuckers okay yeah. And that's another thing. I'm a black woman, so it ain't no excuses for me. Niggas is always looking at me as soon as I walk in that motherfucker, high or not. They looking at me like something. Let me find something about her. And because I'm the fastest right. motherfucking law writer in that motherfucking, in the whole organization, they they have these expectations of me now based on my own work ethic. But I have to, you know, let niggas know, like, you got chill, bro. Like, you're not finna exploit me because it's my work ethic. Like, I've had, I have my boss call me while I'm at my son's appointment. Do you know how long your son's appointment's gonna be? Because we got U.S. Supreme Court cases. Oh, yeah? No, I'm out, bro. My son need me. That's out. That's out. Like, that's out. And speaking of sons, which is my nephew, Junebug. I love his stuff. He's going to be a whole linebacker. If y'all see him in the NFL, don't say that y'all knew him off this podcast 15 years from now, 17 years from now, because y'all not about to claim my nephew. Period. Uh-huh. I just want to make sure, make it fucking known. But how do you feel raising a black king in a society that has stained to oppress him? Um, It's hard. So, especially during these past months, I've been super depressed. I've gone through a lot of anxiety. I've had a couple seizures, you know, like, because my mental, you know, my psyche is crazy. I'm the only girl. I have three brothers and I have a stepbrother. So, I have four brothers and I'm the only girl. So, I've I've constantly worried about them with everything that's happened. I've always been out there protesting on the front front line. Like, that's me. I don't give a fuck. I'll get arrested for civil obedience in a motherfucking minute. I don't care. You know, because I have a black dad. Despite everything, my dad was my heart. I'm more like my dad than anything, you know? So anytime I'm fighting for injustices, I think of him. And because my son is so much like him. Child, that is his mini-me. Exactly. It makes me fight even more, you know? But... I have to realize the only thing that I can do is just stay, is just keep educating my son, keeping him enlightened and knowledgeable about the fact that society has made him a target because of how beautiful he is. That's it. And it doesn't make sense, but I have to give him the tools to make sure he makes the right decisions. And even if he doesn't make the right decisions, then no, I'm there. I don't give a fuck because the world is going to try to come down you as a, as a black man. But mama, Ebony Lakeisha Randolph is going to have your back to the teeth. Unless you do some foul shit. I'm still, I'm, I'm going to be on your head. But I got your back. So I never, even when he was a newborn, I never believed in the, you're spoiling your baby. Like, don't spoil that baby. I don't believe in that red area. Because newborns need love. They need that attachment. And especially if you have a little black boy, the world is out to fucking hate him. Or sexualize Period. him. Period. Because when we band together, that's their biggest threat. Period. And unlike it was back in the days of slave ships with master, our, we're actually educating our kids to know what the what the school system isn't trying to teach them. Exactly. 
happen. So at the end of the day, I'm going to love my baby to the motherfucking tea. I don't care if he's 35 years old and he want to jump in my fucking lap. I'm going to hold him because I know what the world, how they treat him. So it's hard. It's hard knowing that I have this, this response, this other extra responsibility that white women don't have. Okay. So being a... Because that's going to make him stronger as a man. Of course. So being a millennial mom who's aspiring to be a lawyer, what is your goal to change the system for your black son? We're not going to change the system that wasn't built for us. For what? Period! I'm glad you said that. That was a trick question. The only thing that I can do, which is what I have been trying to do, is fucking invade that system. You know, nigga, fucking intercept that system. Get in there and spark shit up. Yeah, this motherfucker wasn't built for us, but you what you're not gonna do is just keep locking up my brothers. What you're not gonna do is just keep locking up my people and, and beating them and killing them for no reason. So you can have this system, but I'm gonna fuck this motherfucker up until it's torn down. Period. And we have our own system. I, I don't like when people say, you know, we need to just build our own shit. We've been building our own shit. But what happens when we build our own shit? It comes get destroyed. Right? Tulsa Massacre. You know, who envious, who hate us because they can't. Because that was Black Wall Street. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, Central Park, Manhattan Beach, anything, anything was ours. Anything that's predominantly white was ours, you know? So that's that's what I have to do as a millennial mom, just pretty much keep fighting and, and showing my son who was born with the fight. Born, our girl, he was born with the fight. Like, he wasn't. Because he be boy. fighting them naps, I'm sure, too. <laughs> Babies that you could just wrap up like in a burrito and they go sleep. This nigga was fighting out the burrito. Like, give me the fuck up. Like, you ain't about to swaddle me. Nigga, two two hours in, like, the fuck out of here. The nurse was like, Oh, you got a fire. I was like, Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Because he inherited so, his mama's genes, period. Hello? So that's pretty much. And I don't really like the term millennial because it's just, it just feels so like fresh but i know it's fresh but at the same token millennial you already know it's anybody born from 1980 to 94 so i use that term with indicative perspective y'all can get mad at me because i'm going to be real sophist ratchet indicative perspective because a lot of y'all born after 94 even literally in my mind after after 93 are a little cray cray but I say millennial because they don't give enough millennial moms credit, which is why my last episode was called Millennial Moms. And they don't yeah. see how much the moms are playing roles, not just with the, for them for their kids, but they're doing whatever they're doing outside of the normal hats that they wear for themselves and their kids to build a legacy. So millennial moms, I feel like, are different because the civil rights movement, the 60s, we had... I think that was the last fight, you know, like, because before the civil rights movement was slavery and Jim Crow laws and a lot of just being subservient and submissive, listening to massa. Then civil rights movement, were like, fuck that. We're going to march. We're going to whatever. Then the generation after that was our parents. And they were baby boomers, the baby boomer generation, because they were conceived during World War Two, World War One, baby boomers. Like, well, we just had the civil rights movement. Like, we're okay. Like, it's not as bad. Us? Then you have the gen no, but you have the Gen Xers who are like the seventies to, to to like eighties with sixty four to seventies. They're okay with it because they don't like change, so they're okay with it because they're like, you know what, voting is my way of exercising my right. Exactly. Then you get the millennials, which is Generation Y, which is motherfuckers like us from fucking nineteen eighty to ninety four, 
We gonna cause motherfucking havoc in this motherfucker. We gonna disturb that motherfucking peace. Call me ludicrous because this shit is ludicrous in reality. I'm not talking to you. And then you have Gen Z, which is literally called Gen Z for a reason, which is 95 to 2015, which is motherfuckers who you're joining to do stupid shit, but you're not joining to make a, a, you're more of a monument than you are a movement. Well, pretty much if they started 2015 and it's 2020, they, they haven't even developed themselves yet. Hello, somebody. They don't even know what life is. Period. That's that. So yeah, that's vibes as a millennial mom. I think the millennial moms still are the last generation that actually have that old school touch. Oh yeah. You know, like, for sure, for sure. Because we had our grandmothers who are literally grandmothers who were raised in this systematic racism themselves to get be able to educate us. Right, but the difference is with millennial moms is that we have a balance, so it's not just a straight and authoritative. I'm an adult. You listen to me, type shit. True. Feel as long as you say it with respect, you know. As long as you don't. So Aretha said it best: R E S B E C T. Find out what it means to me. Exactly. So we're allowing that space for our kids to communicate with us and and actually have feelings as a kid because we couldn't do that. Right. We didn't have because it was called being disrespectful if you express yourself. If you sighed, you were disrespectful, and it's like, okay, well, I'm gonna ask myself why is he sighing? Because maybe he's sighing because he's really in pain. I asked him to fucking wash the dishes, and maybe his 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 wrist is really in fucking pain from something that happened at school that he hasn't told me because I haven't allowed that space. Hello, somebody, say that. That's the difference. Now, say that. Is, me and my man was talking about this. If you don't allow your kid to develop his feelings and and his emotions, how the fuck do you expect him to be a productive functioning adult? Hence why half these motherfuckers fucked up now. Exactly. Exactly. But oh, we crazy. And whoop whoop. No, this motherfucker got molested from fucking five to 13. Woo! You're bringing on some heavy heat there. You're dropping another bomb. We're not ready, sis. Believe it or you didn't want to believe it because it happened to you and you thought that shit was normal and you normalized it. But no, we're not doing that no more. Period. So that's the difference between this millennial mom. So Charlotte E. Grady was the first black female lawyer who graduated from Howard University School of Law in 1872. The first to be admitted to the D.C. bar and practice before the Supreme Court in D.C. Who is your black female lawyer that you admire and why? Okay, so Miss Miss Gray was the first to be admitted into the United States. She was the first female black lawyer ever in the United States of America, not just DC. Okay, but not only that, she was a Howard graduate, a black. She went to an HBCU to get her degree and still succeeded. Okay, and the first fucking black woman ever to be an attorney in the United States. How phenomenal is that? And then go against the Supreme Court at that on top of just not being the first. You just had to set the. I feel like she should have been a Delta if Delta was exist. She should have been a Delta because she was making movements. You know, but the first female black lawyer of Philadelphia was a Delta. It's a lot of first female blacks Deltas. Oh, yeah, I know that. But I mean, as her being the first ever in history. If Delta existed, she probably would have been a Delta. For sure, for sure. But um, that's a myth. She, I admire her. I'm still salty at Howard Law because they rejected me. So whatever. Um, oh, my little sister just got accepted. She's going there. She's a she's a boss. She's a boss. She went to Arizona State at that too. 
But um, I admire so many of my like peers for one. And then I don't know if I'm saying her name like Neo or her last name is Shapiro, pretty much. And she was the first female black. Um, appointed judge in california she's also the founder of the black women lawyers association come on black women lawyers association of los angeles and she also graduated from my alum southwestern law school so she's a boss bro or she was a boss like let me get her name correct absolutely so you're pretty much saying that she's pretty much setting precedents if y'all don't know that's a law term a law term is called precedents if y'all don't know what that is look it up like for rising lawyers yourself yeah. as yourself yeah definitely so precedent basically is just like a history a history of shit you got a protocol it's a history of protocol pretty much so we gotta follow precedent for case law we can't decide cases just you know i mean no i paid attention to law in my little minors or whatever i be i be knowing a little size uh Yo, the fact that she just got yo, I yo, that's gonna forever be my first lady. The fact that she just got recognized for her finessing law school. I'm like, yes, Michelle, Auntie Michelle, you better do that. She's a boss. She's a boss. She, first of all, she felt the bar like four times, and I love it because that just that just motivates me more. You know, cause I'm sure because like, four is a great number for you. Four is a phenomenal number for you. <laughs> We're gonna hope that it's three this time, please. <laughs> Maybe the fourth time's a charm. You never know. No, the third time's a charm, Jessica. Ain't nobody about to be paying hell. Oh, you should just said Jessica. That's how you know it's real. Okay, we going third time. Third time. <laughs> But yeah, um, so I love Michelle Obama, how humble she is. I, I, I have a side of her, like she's a side of me. I'm a little bit more hood and ratchet, but that. Compose- no, you're sophisticated ratchet, okay? Yes, but I, at work, I'm quiet as hell. Like they think I'm so quiet, girls. Crazy. That's because she be <laughs> ebony for real. Eb is what we're getting right now. Ebony is a whole other demeanor. Because I give Jessica and Jess are two different people, period. Yeah, they get ebony. For sure. They need to make AAVE a part of uh, a vernacular, you know. They need to make that part of the dictionary because they try to play us. Yeah, but my girl Kelly, my Ghanaian queen, that's my other black girl that worked there. She, like, started a month after me. Bro, you know when another black girl worked there, you make that eye. Okay. Y'all, I see you, sis. You see me because we see each other on the Nene and Candy. We see each other. Oh, she's from the East Coast, too. She's from Maryland, bro. Oh, shoot. She a Maryland bread. Mm. Mm. So how do you feel the odds are stacked against female black lawyers as opposed to male black lawyers? I think it depends, honestly. I honestly think it depends on how much money you got. Because, uh, well, to, to be honest, it's pretty much stacked against black people, period, because of the way the test is written out and the way like the LSAT is written out from the jump just to get in law school. We don't think like that. We their test is based off of logic. If, if, for example, if Sally goes to the store and has 10 apples and then sees Jim and gives them two apples, then they go home and take a nap and Mary gets two apples. How many peaches will they have when they get to Nebraska? What? Now? I don't know, like, bitch. You tell me because I'm in fucking North Carolina. So what they going to do in Nebraska? It's based off a lot of fucking just 
like theoretically hypothetical shit and I feel like people black people especially people who come from the hood we're real life experienced people like I had a struggle in law school with criminal law and procedure on how they would say if the police pull you over or if the police you're walking and the police stop you and you don't want to talk you could just walk away I got into it with my professor because I'm like you can't fucking do that you know like it ain't no way <laughs> but the textbook and how people who don't live in real life situations can just go off a textbook and automatically regurgitate that information and boom we don't function like that because of trauma ptsd in real life so that in itself is a whole fucking hurdle we have to get over to just even adapt and learn the law and see how it's applied to oppress us pretty much I, I totally agree with you because I feel like there's not a real distinction with there's a distinction for us in our community between a black lawyer female and a black lawyer as a male. But to the world of the oppressor, it's like y'all ni- niggas is niggas. Y'all all fall into the same category. Y'all all make the quota regardless if you're black, female or male. But for us, it's, I feel like if you said it's harder because we put our own pressures against our own people. As a black female lawyer, it's like, yo, yeah, you're a black female lawyer, but what can you prove? It's like you always got to constantly have the battle of proving yourself. You always have to prove yourself. And I think, honestly, the competition is more amongst amongst women because a black female lawyer or something because it's like, like, I have, like, people look down on me because I haven't passed the bar yet. Like, that's a big thing. And it's like, you niggas ain't. You niggas have never walked a mile of my shoes. You could never walk a mile of my shoes. So, like, I, I'm... That's why they're my shoes. Exactly. And second, it's just, like, if I had... That's why I said also money plays a part. Because if you are a black female with money, you have the resources to get extra tutors. You can buy extra bar prep programs to help you prepare. But if you, like, need struggling, you know, like, gotta get it out the fucking butt... You got to do what you can. Like, I'm up all night with it. Like I said, I study from 4 to 6, work all day from 7, get home 5. June, mommy, mommy, mommy. He go to sleep about maybe 9 if that's a good time. And then I got time to study. And then I got to be in bed by midnight just to wake up and do it over again. That's stress. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Money plays a part of it and part of being a, a, a black female in our struggle. And then, but I also feel like you might get a little bit more advantage as a black female because there's more of us. There's True. more of us than there is black men, you know, so. And just so y'all have a little bit of insight as well, June's father is a stay-at-home dad. So that's that's another thing out of the traditional ordinary of which I probably used to have a stay-at-home mom. No, you have a stay-at-home dad who's making sure their son is catered to while she goes out, hustles, makes the money, brings in the bacon, literally at the same token, trying to study for her bar. If that ain't no black girl magic, I don't know what the fuck ain't is, but if y'all try to play my sister, I'll fight you. Yeah, you never play me. I mean, don't get it twisted, my man. Definitely brings in fucking bacon, despite him being a stay at home dad. He still has a side hustle, so he does that. He makes sure for the for the most part that when I come home, I'm at peace, you know, because I am so riled up and just go, go, go. He's super chill, you know, and that's what I needed the support system. So I got pregnant with fucking June, my last year of law school, bro. Like, shit, uh, five days before graduation, I found out I was pregnant. So I took Damn. the bar with this nigga, everything the first time. The second half of the test, I got hella nauseous. Like, the last 15 minutes, you can't move. I got hella nauseous, about to throw up. So I had to fucking run to the bathroom. So I think that played a part in why I did that first time. 
Second time, he was a newborn. Like, I took the test in July. He was born in January. You know, like, I'm breastfeeding, just moved. That's what I'm saying. Like, niggas don't understand life. They just think that, oh, you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do this, do, 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 do. first time, da 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 da. I, I had a mentor who was a Caucasian lady, judge, and we was hella tight until I got pregnant. You know, like, she would always tell me, you got to choose. You can't be successful and have the mommy life. I hate, that goes back to my very first episode on this podcast, Don't Doubt a Queen. Stop fucking boxing us black females in as if we're not phenomenal fucking women, as Maya Angelou stated. We can do all things through Christ that strengthens us. Stop playing with us. You cannot tell me what the fuck I can do. First of all, your struggle is not the same struggle as me. Hello, somebody. Your struggle is not even the same as me, Asian woman or Latina. How about your struggle is not even a struggle? It's a, it's fucking privilege. I work, not, no, white women don't have struggle. But the other women of color do have struggles. But white women, you might have a struggle in being treated less than because you're just a woman. But, but add on to that, you're a woman that is of a certain tone. Or of a certain income ratio. Or your background. Or your ethnicity. Or, or where your hometown is. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So, like, your struggle is just, like, pretty much, okay, that's cute to me, but, like... That ain't no struggle, bitch. That's just a, that's a quick little hurdle I can run over with, like I do for track for my 100-meter dash. When you go to the doctor, when you go to the doctor and you get refused a service or you get your epidural put in wrong three times... Woo! We're not going to talk about Fannie Lou Hamer and how they, they un, without her consent, Hello? took out, they gave her a hysterectomy without her fucking consent. Bitch, they did my, my epidural hella wrong. I almost hella went fucking paralyzed. They thought that it was okay to have a fucking intern do my uh, epidural. Now ask if that would have happened at Kaiser. Hell no. But we just had a black queen who died because of medical attention given to her by a man in Brooklyn. Exactly. They use us as test dummies and guinea pigs because they feel because you can withstand so much that we can be able to stand the bush. You can't keep risking our lives. Period. Period. Sorry. But yeah, it's just a major struggle. But back to that, I think once we start working together, there's a lot of elite in the black law community because it is so small and people start feeling like they're better than whatever or like and i don't like that so i just wish that would be eliminated and then i think we could do so much more and get more people black people in the actual field which i respect so do you really feel by using and learning practicing the law that will be a change to the systematic racism and senseless incarceration of our people I don't think it's going to end senseless incarceration. I don't mean to sound like a fucking pessimist, but again, the system was not built for us. So the only way that we can totally end this is if we end the system, which is is not as realistic and, and prompt as we would want it to be. I mean, shit, it would absolutely have to be a fucking revolution for that to happen. But in the meantime, like I said, I'm about to try to get in that motherfucker and stir it up. Like, let me be a shit starter real quick. Period. Period. Because this is how it works. This is how it works, sis. You got the DA. The DA brings the case, right? And usually the DA is bringing the case because they have to fucking bring the case. The more convictions you have, the better you look. And also, the more chances that you can be higher up if you decide to run in politics, be a politician, or to be a judge. 
more convictions, more likely you'll be appointed by a governor or elected because that's the only way you can become a judge, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So that's the that's the catch for convicted. So they don't give a fuck about who they convict. Judges listen to whatever the DA say for the most part. The DA is the one who recommends the sentence. They're the ones that throw out. See, the- I didn't know that shit. So you teaching me right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. So the judge is pretty much just like they don't want to do a lot of work. They fucking put in their work. That's why they're judges. So they're just like, what would you bring it to me today? Like, what's up? What's up with it? So if the defense counsel, which is who I am, if the defense counsel is not put on a motherfucking fight and it's not doing what they want supposed to be doing, then the judge is gonna roll with whatever the DA says, whatever the cops say, you know. And the jury, if it's a jury trial, is already in there with. A bias because if you didn't do nothing, why the fuck did you get arrested? That's right. just automatically thing. So they have this guilty until proven innocent presumption, but that's not the reality. Girl, that shit has always been bullshit to me. And it works for white people only. But yeah, so if the defense counsel is not stirring, 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 the judge is not going to wake the fuck up. If the defense counsel is stirring, the judge is going to be like, okay. Well, what is a district attorney? What is it, counsel? Because I don't understand. This is not making sense. You saying this, but defense is saying this. So what is it? That's gonna wake the motherfucker up, and that's how we, that's how we go with shit. But also, defense attorneys sometimes are so limited because shit, they want to say please. Ninety nine percent of cases plea out, and that's what's catching our boys. Because even if you didn't do nothing, they want to get the fuck out of there. I'm gonna go home. Right. I'm gonna go home. No fiction. So, yeah, I'll say I fucking did it, even if I didn't do it because I want to go home. And the cops in there lying. Central Park 5 is exactly the prime example of that shit. The cops are in there lying and saying that they're going to go home if they admit it. And they're not. And no attorney is in there. And they don't know their rights. They don't know that they can say. They have the fucking constitutional right to say, I'm expressing my right to be silent. After that, cop gotta get the fuck out of there. Because whatever that, that boy say or girl say is getting thrown the fuck out because they exercise their right. Or I want my counsel now. You can't be ambiguous and, and I think I want a, a lawyer. I want my counsel now. I'm exercising my right to an attorney now. All questioning ends. That is the problem. A major problem that have locked many men up for 40, 50 years because they didn't even know those two simple, clear rights. Because had they known those rights, anything, anything that they admitted, anything they said or was found on them after they were given their Miranda rights and they exercised, I want my attorney, will be thrown the fuck out. And they right. Case. right. That's how it works. Which also is all our fault because we don't incorporate to read. <laughs> we expect everything to be handed to us. No, I don't. I don't agree with that. <coughs> black people are hard on black people. I fucking hate that. The law is tricky as fuck, bro. You can read the fucking law and think you understand it, but you don't. That's and that's. But you know though. But you notice now. We not, all of us get privileged like you to notice information. That's what I'm saying. That's another hurdle though, because I had the privilege of being able to go to law school and learn it and learn how to apply, but the rest of my community didn't. So now it's my job to be out here. Hello, there you go. That was my, that was my point. As much as possible. As much as possible. And also encourage them to take their ass to fucking school too. Hello, because that shit wasn't free. You ain't pay for that shit for and free. And also let motherfuckers know I didn't go to school to give you free advice. Uh, can you say it again? Because I went to, cause people always know, like, can I ask you a business question? No, you may not. Because it depends on the extent of the question and how much it's going to cost you. Because I paid for my degrees to give this business oh. educate. 
Yes, I will give you as much general advice as I can like that, but I'm not going to be on no case-specific shit, Brad. Don't call me with Ray Ray and the call. <laughs> not Ray Ray. Like, no. <laughs> I'm weak. Is big. He, he's going to grow every week. He needs new clothes and new food. So That's because he's a linebacker. That's right. And he's going to make sure mama good. But for right now, I got to make sure he's good so he can make sure I'm good. So, because you stated the fact that it's not something where you feel like we have to be able to literally trickle down the stuff that we're learning, what steps do we need or tools as women to get equal respect in law to be able to feel comfortable to do as such? You just gotta stop giving a fuck about what everybody else got to say and, and remember who the fuck you are to keep it a hundred. Like, everybody gonna have something to say. Everybody. Your mama, your lover, your shit. Your baby, if he could talk, you know, like, <laughs> everybody got something to say. They got something to say about what they think you should be practicing, what you should be doing, how you should be doing it, and don't have the slightest idea about what you were going through mentally. You know, like, so many people have something said about me about getting pregnant with the woo-woo. Like, bro, I'm hella grown. And say, hella grown. I didn't ascertain three degrees with y'all holding my hand or taking these steps from me. I did this because of me. Facts. So, no fiction. The only way I can get respect is by being me and doing me. Just keep your goals and your purpose in sight. And like Nipsey said, the motherfucking marathon continues. Like, don't let nobody belittle you. Don't don't let nobody disrespect you. You stand tall. You stand firm on your ten toes, and you be who you are. And people will respect you. One hundred. One hundred. One hundred. One hundred. Love that, bro. If you walk in that motherfucker, bro, I used to walk in my mock trials, didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. I believed it because you believed it, so I believe it. And that's all that's that's what lawyering is. It's putting on a show for uh for twelve members of a jury or for a judge and being that best presenter. You as a black woman have to be the best best black woman you can be for you. Not because society wants you to have a big ass or because they want you to have a fucking Barbie waist. Fuck that. Or because they want you to be with just a man. Fuck that. You be with whoever you want. You do it whatever you want because you're living your life. You're gonna die. So low dolo. So low dolo. You're gonna die. We're all gonna die this day. So when you die, are you gonna be like, damn, I'm glad I live my life, or damn, I live my life for everybody else? Word. You gotta be you, and that's Word. how you get your respect. Shit. So I'm wait, it, would, would that be your be real bomb to to give people they you know they the emphasis of people who want to go into law and be a lawyer and equalize the system for our benefits? My be real bomb is that you fight, you you do your research and you ask questions. You know, like don't give up. There's gonna be a lot of discouraging people. I had. Um, a dean from USC discouraged me as a black lady. She was just like, your LSAT score, think of a baseball field. Your LSAT score, the median LSAT score is in the field. Your LSAT score is in the parking lot. Wow. So your chances of succeeding actually in law school and actually being an attorney are, yeah, slim to none. Real shit, though. 
So my B-Real Bomb is a, a suck all that. Nigga, like, boss up. You don't do what the fuck you want to do. You don't let nobody tell you what to do. Like, period. Like my dad always say, you put your feelings in your back pocket and you sit on them motherfuckers, okay? You do what you want to do. If you want to be an astronaut, you study fucking science to be an astronaut. You know, like, it doesn't matter. If you have to start at a community college, if you have to start at an unaccredited law school to transfer to an accredited law school, then you do that. If you have to take the fucking bar exam 10 times, then you do that. If that's what I have to do, that's what the fuck I'm going to do. Because at the end of the day, June Randolph Fair is not going to know my struggle, ever. Period. And that's that. So, Ed, we appreciate you coming out, talking about Equalizer, giving us some insight and a background of your sophista ratchetness. You know, you know, I'm just trying to set up a generational wealth thing. Hello, somebody, Um, say it again. Break generational curses. That's my main thing. Like, let's heal from the trauma and not just perpetuate those bad habits that were. You better say that on this Good Here Sunday. You better say that. But I appreciate you, and you know I love you, and I thank you for taking the time to chat with us in the fam bam on the realest of the realest. Yes. So tell the people where they can find you, because you know once you pass this bar, they, I'm pretty sure the fam bam going to want to be able to celebrate that accomplishment. Because you hear how I said once you pass the bar, not when you pass the bar. Oh yeah, for sure. When I passed this year, I'm not playing no more. I mean, Corona. We didn't talk about Corona, bitch ass, but y'all stay safe though, for real. Don't don't take it lightly. Like my brother got mad at me because I didn't go over there for the Fourth of July, but oh well, nigga. Like we first of all, that's not even a holiday, so we was never going to celebrate that shit. Period. He's just like he childish. He's just like the pop fireworks. Like just LA dude, just childish. All in the hood, dogs barking the fireworks. Like, you know what? I ain't got time. I ain't got time to encourage the antics. <laughs> but where can the people find you, Eb? Okay, so I'm on Facebook, um, but that's usually my family. My name is Eller Dolph. Try to be E L R D O L. Oh God, here she go. My Instagram is June's Mama. Cause she really is just June's Mama before okay, anything. Mama. That's priority. That's, that's my number one. June's Mama. J U N E Z M A M A. And yeah, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I ain't hiding. If you want to find me, I'm out here. <laughs> I have my bodyguards. Period. So that was my big sis, Ebby Eb. Well, for y'all, Ebony Randolph. Y'all go follow her, show her some love, and encourage her and send y'all prayers and tell the ancestors, keep her covered for this bar so she can get sis to be out here to try to oppress. Oh, so she can become the oppressor of the systematic racism and BS so that my nephew is set for greatness, which he's already set done in any way. It's already written in stone, but nonetheless. All set for Because once I'm on, nigga, we all on. Period. So as I always say on air, let's keep it real. That was Equalizer with the realest, Ebony Randolph, a.k.a. my sis, Ebby Eb. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. Hopefully gave y'all some insight on the law. Especially as being black women out here trying to fight for ourselves. So... In reality, as I always say, on air, let's keep it real. Always remember, be real, be true, and always be unapologetically you.